Today on the show, I'll be covering a couple of movies that were requested by listeners, starting with Never Back Down from 2008 and Demolition Man from 1993. everyone welcome to brandon at random reviews i am your host brandon griffiths thank you for stopping by i do appreciate it today on the show i think i'm just gonna dive right into these movies i'm not gonna warm up or anything like that because life's too short and you want to know what i thought of these movies so we'll start with never back down released on march 14th 2008 directed by jeff wadlow written by chris howdy Houty, H-A-U-T-Y, produced by Craig Baumgarten and David Zilan, and a a score that was composed by Michael Wandmacher. So for our cast, we have Sean Ferris, who plays Jake the Gridiron, Tyler, which, by the way, he rarely gets called that in the movie. And then we have Amber Heard, who plays the character Baha Miller, and then Cam Gigander, who plays the character Ryan the Terror McCarthy. Then we have Jaman Hunsu, who plays Jean Roqua. Then there is Evan Peters, who plays Max Cooperman, and he is actually notable as he played Quicksilver in the X-Men movies, the newer ones. Uh, and I think he's, he's really great in those movies. I really liked his, uh, his part in those movies. So, plot synopsis. We have a high schooler who struggles with getting into fights, gets into another fight and loses, and trains to fight so he can fight better. Yes, that's, that's it. Um... We start at, like, a football game. Uh, I don't really know who's in this movie, you know, going into it. So I, I'm really struggling to figure out who I'm rooting for and who's who I'm supposed to be focusing on. It also helps that this Sean Ferris is not somebody I've seen in anything before. So I really don't know who he is or what he's doing. Basically, something gets said about Sean Ferris's dad. And, you know, there's clearly some history there and Sean you know flips out and gets into a fight on this football field and you know it's like an all-out brawl and so it's like hilarious watching movies like this where there's a large group of people brawling because there's always a few people on screen that are like apprehensively standing around barely doing anything in the way of fighting you know like they're just kind of pawing around a little bit and that's about it so I don't know it's just it's funny it was a a little thing I noticed apparently our main guy Jake Tyler is his name which is two first names by the way he is moving to Orlando and it's it's basically I guess so his brother can play tennis at a a more skilled level or something so I guess that's what's happening and we're to understand that Jake's dad has passed away in some, um, you know, unexpected 
situation. There's a lot of tension at home between Jake and Jake's mom. His mom's pretty clearly fed up with his shit. She doesn't really want to deal with him anymore. And it's just kind of, you know, it, it, it's there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of tension. Him and his brother are talking while they're packing up the garage before they move. And they find what I guess is supposed to be their dad's stuff. And Jake packs it up to get rid of it. And I don't remember at what point, but I don't think I noted this. But it's said that basically Jake's dad was driving with Jake in the passenger seat and they you know he gets into a car accident and the dad doesn't survive and Jake lives and you know people ask him things like why weren't you driving you know like why didn't you get in the driver's seat why would you you know let that happen blah 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 so he's got a lot of demons to face the acting is not great in this movie but it's not like horrendously bad. It's not like a horrendously terrible display. So Jake goes to school for the first time and he tries to intervene in what appears to be a school fight club, but nobody's talking about it, obviously. So, you know, he, he kind of befriends this guy that was in the fight and was getting his ass kicked. And that guy is Evan Peters' character, Max. And so uh, they, they slowly become friends. And then in one of his classes, Jake meets Amber Heard, who is playing the character as Baja. It's, uh, that's her name. It's not at all ridiculous. And I get the feeling that Jake and, uh, and Baja will meet again after this for some strange, crazy reason. I don't know why, but I just feel like it's going to happen. And um, we get another argument f- between Jake and his mom while they when they get home because, you know, like, Jake broke up this fight, so, you know, it's, like, a problem. And apparently it's a thing that Jake does a lot, so it's kind of interesting. It, and so... Thinking about his last name, you know, being Tyler, Jake Tyler, it's like I had this friend that I worked with. I'm still friends with him, I guess. I haven't talked to him in like 10 plus years. But this guy named Scott Brandon was working with me at a Meyer in in town here and so he he was he, he always was enamored by the fact that his name was you know his last name was a first name and it was always kind of weird you know it's just like mama brandon and papa brandon it just sounded weird you know what i mean so it's it's just kind of ridiculous it kind of threw me for a loop so max the guy from the fight max walks up to jake and he starts talking to Jake about his history and all the stuff that he found out about Jake on the web. And, you know, Jake and him become fast friends. And honestly, like, it's at this point, and I'm going to point it out several times, so please forgive me, the soundtrack in this movie is fucking terrible. It is a horrible fucking soundtrack. Every song is like, I don't know, what what would happen if the guy from... Like, the guy that did the soundtrack for The Fast and the Furious, the first one, had a baby with Fred Durst, and they picked the soundtrack for a movie. Like, that's really what it's all about to me. Like, they pick these really loud songs, and they just, they don't seem to have any idea, like, anything about sound mixing and, like, how to lower the volume levels and things like that. It's it's all very unsettling it's it just jars you right out of your seat you know like you're just like what the fuck is this why can't they fucking cool it on the fucking soundtrack i i I was starting to see as we got more of 
Amber Heard on screen. I was starting to realize why I haven't seen more Amber Heard movies. I don't think she's particularly good. I don't think she does an amazing job of acting. And it really just, it, it explains everything. You know what I mean? On top of her presumably being a terrible person that, you know, that's neither here nor there though. So... Um, Jake gets invited by Baja, Amber Heard's character, to a party, and he thinks she's, like, into him, so she wants him to go to a party, and what it turns out to be is he is just, like, a lamb being led to the slaughter, so he has to go there and he gets in a fight with the head jock guy that's all fucking ripped out and stuff and fights dirty and all this shit. And so he just kind of, he gets his ass kicked. He goes home and he gets yelled at by his mom some more. And they, they want to pick a fight with him because they know everybody in the school now knows his past. You know, they know what this guy has done and what run-ins he's had and things like that. And it's like the the guy, Max, I was like, I was trying to figure out while I was watching this movie, I, I it didn't look like, it looks like maybe he thinned out for the X-Men movies, but then again, I don't know what year those newer X-Men movies were coming out. I want to say it was about this time, so like this might be in the same ballpark where he would have been playing Quicksilver, so... Maybe it's just he looks different in this movie. I don't know. I, I will say, though, that Evan Peters was a far better Quicksilver than Aaron Taylor Johnson was in the Avengers Age of Ultron. And he was just a lot cooler of a character. Aaron Ta Taylor Johnson didn't really do any acting or, you know, try, it seemed like. So now, given what little I knew about the movie at this point, he's just going to train to be a better fighter so that he can ultimately fight this guy and win, you know, like, I guess that's his game plan. And the next day at school, you know, Baja is kind of annoyed with the chatter about Jake going on. You know, people are talking shit about him because he lost this fight to this Ryan guy. And it's just kind of, it's kind of insane. We get more of the soundtrack that's just super unpleasant. We get some I put down, we get some really good writing coming through in the dialogue, and I believe I was being facetious because it's terrible. Like, the, the writing is not great. It's not It's not particularly good. I don't really think it's, it's all that terrific. So Max tells Jake about this place to train, and he's going to go there, and he's going to learn how to fight. But the whole thing is, is like, the, this guy from Blood Diamond, Jaman Hunsu plays the the guy that owns the shop the the gym or whatever and he is talking and like he's telling him basically that Jake is not to fight outside of those four walls you know he's supposed to keep it together and um and be cool outside of there and he's not supposed to use the training as a means to fight, you know, it's supposed to just be like self, you know, self-defense or whatever you want to call it. I know, like, I kept seeing throughout this movie that, like, I couldn't look at Amber Heard objectively without thinking of the trial and, like, the, the antics that she had. And so it kind of ruined her for me. Like, she's, you know, she's probably, like, early 20s in this movie. And she's, a pretty girl, but she's, you know, she's too young anyway to be on my radar. And it's just, it, it ruined it for me knowing that it was Amber Heard and that this was how she behaved and all this stuff. And 
Um, we get a training montage pretty early in the movie. There's over an hour left in this movie. And it's like, they're doing this montage. And I'm like, well, you can't possibly be getting like to where you want to be this early in the movie. Where's the rest of the plot going to come from? And they, they're like flipping tractor tires as you frequently see done in movies. And I don't know how much of that goes on in real life, but I don't know. I don't, I mean, my dad's a big tractor puller. So like he could probably tell me like how much weight that would be like lifting and I, I assume it's quite a bit, so it's probably a reasonable training method. It's just it's it's just funny. It's like so cliche now to do this stuff with a tractor tire. It's just like at this point I'm noticing that like the writing is pretty one dimensional. It's not really it's not really breaking new ground on anything. It's just kind of retreading old stuff. And it's like, you know, Jake and Baja argue in class over her leading him to the slaughter at the party, which is fair because that's absolutely what she did. She knew that was going to happen. And <laughs> I just noted Blood Diamond is a solid movie, which, by the way, I might cover that. I haven't watched it in a really long time. I might even create like a, a new tag for those episodes where I do revisits where it's like, it's not that I've never seen the movie, it's just that I don't remember the movie at all, so I just, you know, am re-watching it, but it feels like the first time, like, Foreigner. And it's at this point that they, they basically show that Baja and Ryan are together, and I don't know if you, you had that pointed out sooner than this, but it's... I guess they, like, hid that fact so that it would be seemingly innocent when Baja gave Jake the invitation to the, uh, you know, to the the party that he ended up getting in a fight at. And I feel like these jokes that keep coming up, or, like, not even jokes, but just, like, these jabs, these, these verbal jabs that come up in this movie where it's like they're talking about Jake's dad, and it's like, it just sets him off. Like, that's all it is it's it's just like an automatic easy thing for them to do that they can talk about his dad and it's like yeah this is this is gonna piss him off you know what I mean like that's what it feels like anyway and so it, it's just like they they use it they use it to their advantage they're, it's like if they want to start a fight with him they're just like yeah too bad your old man was a piece of shit you know and like boom everybody's fucking fighting there's a moment where Jake figures out that that John, you know, Jaman Hansu's character is seemingly living in this gym, you know, he like has like a little, little place carved out in there. And it's kind of a ridiculous, like Jake makes fun of him for living there. And it's like, am I supposed to be on board with this kind of behavior? Like who, you know, like he's supposed to be the nice guy. He's not supposed to be saying shit like the Ryan character would be saying, you know what I mean? So that's, it just kind of upset me. Like, just like, why, why did we include that? You know, like, why did we make it where he has this dig at, uh, John who is, you know, a nice guy. He's, he's helping him train. He's, you know, doing everything that he can for him. And it's like, I, I just don't understand what their, their rationale was for that. Jake gets into a fight with these dudes at a traffic stop and Max takes video of it and, it goes viral at school and, you know, like <laughs> the songs, they keep fucking playing these loud ass douchey songs. I can't fucking stand them. But like, you know, like he goes back and I don't, I don't think I have this noted, but he goes back to the gym, 
you know, and he, after he gets in this fight, his hands are all bruised up and bloody, and he puts on his gloves to try and hide it, and Jean figures out that he's, you know, that he's been fighting, and he kicks him out, because that was his, like, big rule, was, like, you don't get in fights, and... I don't know, like, I honestly don't know what the fuck was going on. Like, I mean, I don't know why I I get it. Like, it it was inevitable that it was going to happen where it's like, you know, John says no fighting and Jake is inevitably going to fight and, like, get kicked out and have to redeem himself and stuff. But we get another montage, a training montage, and this is number two. And I don't know why, like, why did we get the first training montage it doesn't really make any sense. You really should only get one montage, like Rocky Four, perfect training montage. There's only one of them. It's an hour and a half long movie, and that's it. The, the training scenes don't really do much to fascinate me in this movie. They're, they're not very exciting. They're not very interesting. They're just pretty generic, and they don't really... They don't really stand out from the pack. I've, I've seen dozens of movies with training montages before, and this this did very little in the way of creativity to, to make it stand out. So at this point, we go, you know, Jake decides he's going to be a good big brother and go to his little brother's tennis tournament, and he goes there and cheers him on, and... Then, like, Jake and Baja, I just, I feel so ridiculous saying that name every time, but whatever. They make up, and it's, like, super underwhelming. It's it's just like, yeah, okay, that was inevitable, you know, that was gonna happen. And Jake's mom goes and sees John at the gym and expresses her concerns with John, and John explains that it's like, you know, we're, we're doing this to to make these young men less angry and, like, less wanting to fight. You know, they have an outlet for it. And she kind of gets it, but she, like, pays for a month of, you know, the gym membership or whatever that he's got. Jake and Baja, they're, like, playing around in Jake's room, and they're clearly about to fuck. And then you get um, the, the little brother breaking into the room, and, and like, he's got a phone call for, you know, from the mom and for Jake and so it kind of ends that and so and like little brother doesn't even knock or anything and it's like yeah I feel like my little brother if I had one would know never to fucking come in my room unannounced if I was a high schooler you know like come the fuck on like there are so many things I could be doing in there and so so they they basically Ryan comes and he sees Max leaving the gym and he convinces Max to come hang out with him and the guys that he hangs out with at his house. And, you know, basically it's pretty clear that Ryan's going to use this encounter with Max to ignite a fire under Jake's ass to want to fight him. And so the, he he goes and beats the shit out of Max at his house. And Max has to go in the hospital. And, you know, Jake's freaking out because, you know, they like, he can't believe they did it to him and all this stuff. And... <sighs> And with 30 minutes to go in the movie, I really didn't care what happened to anyone else other than Max because Max is the only character that is like actually kind of enjoyable. Like he, I I think he's underused here, but you know, that's just me. So Jake gives this speech to John about like doing, doing what he wants to do, you know, as far as fighting and how, you know, he needs to do it and all this stuff. And it's, it's pretty uninspired. It's actually not as bad as I've been making it sound like it is, but it's just, 
it, it's very, very disappointing. Like, it, it's just very plain and overdone. Th- this movie, I said, was the battle cry of wannabe tough guys in my notes because it it is. I mean, it's it's like the Fast and the Furious, but with MMA fighting instead of cars. So if that helps bridge the gap in your mind of like what this movie's all about. And, and MMA never really piqued my interest much, so I, I don't really give a shit about watching it. And Jake realizes, you know, he goes, there's they're going to go to this tournament, this big tournament with a big crowd. And he basically figures out that like, um, Ryan, I guess like that got disqualified or something. So like, he's not going to be able to fight Ryan. And so they basically like Jake just taps out and, and elects not to finish because that wasn't why he didn't want to come there to fight for pleasure. It was like, he wanted to fight Ryan and get it over with. And so he goes out in the parking lot and he has a big run in with Ryan. There's a big fight. And you know, eventually obviously Jake wins because that was the only thing that was ever going to happen. It's kind of underwhelming. My only real praise for this movie is Evan Peters. He's he's really I really like him in this and I mean I guess the guy who plays Ryan, he's he's a good villain. I, I'll give him that. The biggest criticism is the soundtrack. I cannot stress enough how horrendous this fucking soundtrack is. And it just pretty much tipped a mediocre to bad movie into like unwatchability. Like I was, I was to the point where I'm like, all right, I want to shut this off. I want to shut this off. The writing is bad. As I mentioned, it's not very compelling. I'm not very interested in seeing Jake redeem himself. He, I I don't know. I, I just don't give a shit. So trivia, Sean Ferris, who plays Jake gained 15 pounds of muscle for the role. The actors who had to fight in this movie went through three months of MMA training for their roles. And a little IMDb nugget, Gillian Jacobs auditioned for the role of Baja. Jacobs said that Je- director Jeff Wadlow remarked that her audition reminded him of Christopher Walken. She did not get the part. It's almost like you could have gone without saying she did not get the part because she auditioned for a role that was clearly played by somebody else. So did you really have to say it? But anyway, the Christopher Walken thing was pretty funny to me. Info and ratings. We got runtime 115 minutes, which is probably too long for this movie. They could have cut, they could have really trimmed the fat a lot on this movie. Um, The budget was $20 million. Worldwide gross, $41.6 million. IMDb rating 6.5, Rotten Tomato Critics score 22%, Rotten Tomato Audience score 34%, and personal rating 2 out of 5 stars. I cannot recommend this movie. It's it's not good. I don't I don't know if if Ashton when you suggested this movie if it was like I know that's kind of your sense of humor. So like Maybe it was a joke, but maybe you really do enjoy this. I mean, I enjoy the first Fast and the Furious movie, so I guess it's a fair argument that it's like, you know, I mean, it, it, you could enjoy it. I mean, I don't know. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna judge you for it. It's just, I'd love to know if you were fucking with me and you were gonna make me watch a bad movie just for the fuck of it. All right, moving on to Demolition Man. Okay, released on October 8th, 1993, directed by Marco Brambilla, written by Daniel Waters, Robert Renault, and Peter Lenkoff. Producers Joel Silver, Michael Levy, and Howard Kazanjian. Uh, score was composed by Elliot Goldenthal. Cast, Sylvester Stallone plays Sergeant John Spartan. Yes, that's a name. Wesley Snipes plays Simon Phoenix. 
Sandra Bullock plays Lieutenant Lenina Huxley. Benjamin Bratt plays Officer Alfredo Garcia, which is also a name. Dennis Leary plays Edgar Friendly. And Rob Schneider plays, I guess he was uncredited as Officer Irwin or Edwin or something like that. Um, But Rob Schneider is super annoying in this movie for what little part he has. A little bit of casting notes. Steven Seagal had originally been attached as a leading actor in this movie. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme had been offered the part of the villain. Stallone wanted Jackie Chan for the part of Phoenix, but Chan said no because it was a villain, and apparently Chinese audiences really don't like it when a guy who always plays a good guy switches and becomes a bad guy in another movie, you know, like, they really don't go for it, so I don't blame Jackie Chan for even a little bit of that. Okay, plot synopsis. A police officer is brought out of suspended animation in prison to pursue an old ultra-violent nemesis who is loose in a non-violent future society. Okay, that's from IMDb. I did not write that. I could not think of a good one to, to put for that. So, you know, just forgive me for that. So this movie starts off with a shot from behind the uh, Hollywood sign and it's on fire and it says it's 1996 which would be three years after this movie was made. The score kind of feels like a Batman Forever score but I didn't really look up to see who made the score to this movie. It could be the same guy. I don't know. John Spartan finds Simon Phoenix and he is you know Spartan standing in a puddle of gasoline and Phoenix is threatening to light it on fire And he does, but Stallone still apprehends him. And he thinks that, you know, like, he goes in there and, you know, like, basically the whole premise is Stallone goes in there and he scans it. Like, he does a thermal scan of the entire building and he can't find anybody in there other than, you know, Phoenix's goons. And it's kind of like, I guess what ends up happening is Phoenix had already killed the hostages that he had And so that's why they didn't show up on the thermal thing. And so basically, although Stallone apprehends Phoenix, I should say Spartan apprehends Phoenix, he um, he still goes to jail for manslaughter for allowing the death of, you know, all these hostages because they don't realize that they were already dead. And so he gets sentenced to like, you know, 46 years or something like that in prison. And I don't remember what exactly it was, but the acting in the opening sequence is it really sets the tone for the movie. Like the, the acting is so fucking bad in this movie. It's, I don't really understand what they were going for because like, it'd be different if like the people in the future acted differently, but like the people from the past should act like normal people. You know what I mean? They shouldn't be fucking weird and all this shit. And I guess some of it was like probably a choice by Stallone and Snipes, but they, you know, they do the thing that I always like to point out where, you know, like, Snipes says something to piss Stallone off, and Stallone, like, comes to attack him, and they, like, hold him back, and I'm like, god fucking damn it, why does that always have to be a thing? They punish Spartan to 70 years, oh, 70 years, in cryopenitentiary, so they'll freeze him, even though it seems like that would perpetuate his life beyond normal span, if that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, if, if you're doing 70 years of time, and you're not frozen, that's a long fucking time. But presumably, if you get frozen, 
it's like you're going to be under for however long and then you're going to have been preserved and it's like you can just pick up right where you left off. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck is that? They, they don't even like, and they show Stallone going under, you know, Spartan is, it feels so dumb to say his name out loud. But anyway, Spartan is being frozen and they like don't even knock him out. Like they don't, they don't put him under or anything. He's just alive and he's being put in this like giant bowl of fluid. I don't know if it's water or what, but it's like they're they're freezing him solid and they're not knocking him out and it's fucking ridiculous. Um and through the the opening credits, you know, they they do this weird panning around looking at Stallone in this uh frozen state and it's it's kind of ridiculous and then we we come to 2032 where Sandra Bullock is here in her self-driving car and so it's not too far off cuz self-driving cars i think in 10 years will be a lot more commonplace you know um they've got graffiti detection systems at the um police station you know like they they graffiti this police headquarters sign and then this device like wipes it clean again it's it's pretty ridiculous (laughs) i said hopefully there isn't some ridiculous story about wiping your ass with seashells in this movie oh right that's exactly what there is in this movie because i have seen this movie before this viewing so i do know what to expect so basically the the other note i want to make is that los angeles has become san angeles Because I think it's like a combination of like San Diego, Los Angeles, and San Bernardino or something like that. I don't remember what the San or the other San was. I think it was that. But so there's no swearing allowed in the future. You get issued a citation every time you swear. You have to pay like one credit or something. And Sandra Bullock's character is named Huxley. And she really wants, like she's a fangirl of the old... 80s and 90s action movies and stuff and she really wants to you know to see that happen in her lifetime where these crazed criminals and all this chaos reign supreme it's just kind of like a fantasy of hers they keep showing these chairs at the cryo lab and they look like giant cheese graters like they don't look like anything I've ever seen in my life like they are such a stupid design but it's got to be on purpose like it looks way too much like a cheese grater to not be on purpose so phoenix breaks out of you know like they're they're doing his uh parole hearing and he breaks out and he kills the guards and gets out using the eye of the dude who is conducting the hearing and they call it a 187 because he killed these guards and they they have to look up what a 187 is at the police station because they they haven't encountered it they don't know what it is they're, they're not familiar and they find out that it's a murder death kill MDK and it's like murder death kill what why couldn't it just be one of those you know like murder or you know like why did it have to be murder death kill that's so fucking stupid so I always just love this because like you know Phoenix goes and he is at this like weird kiosk in public where this this guy was like standing at it and like the kiosk was like complimenting him and telling him how great he was and all this stuff and like phoenix doesn't really like he he knocks the guy out and like starts to take over the kiosk and like i just love how every criminal in these movies seems to know how to hack into anything you know it's like if 
if Wesley Snipes, if, you know, if Simon Phoenix was a, an amazing hacker in his day, it would still be 36 years later that he would be hacking into this computer. So like, why would, why would so much stuff, like I can tell you right now, 36 years ago, there would be nothing familiar about computers. You know what I mean? The way that you would hack into them or anything. There's just so much extra shit now. So it's like, I just, I find it really hard to believe, but they just, they love to do that trope where the bad guy knows computers. Phoenix takes out the whole team of police officers that are there to apprehend him. And they basically like take these cues from these like handheld tablets that are explaining to them what to do to apprehend him. And he basically just like does not listen to what they're saying and doesn't give a shit. And, you know, repeatedly throughout this movie, anytime anybody's saying a swear word, it's like doing this like buzzer noise and it's issuing a citation out of this dispenser somewhere. And it's just fucking insane. Like it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's supposed to be funny, which I guess in a way it is. So friendly is the name of Dennis Leary's character. And he doesn't like the fact that these people are in control and they're not allowing anybody to, you know, basically like, how do I want to put this? It's like, they don't, he doesn't like that they're, they're outlawing so many things, you know, like you can't eat food that's bad for you. You can't, it's like, he wants to eat a cheeseburger. He wants to do this. He wants to do that. And it's like, it's pretty fucking ridiculous. Um, they find out from the resident elder officer that Spartan was the one who originally stopped Phoenix. So they decide to unfreeze Spartan and they try to explain to Spartan how life is in the future and that they want his help in apprehending Phoenix. And this is where we get the story about the three seashells because there's no toilet paper in the bathrooms. They just somehow use these three seashells to scrape their butthole clean, I guess. I don't know. Like, how are they cleaning them? Anyway, the captain is not really a John Spartan fan and he believes he's just as bad as Phoenix so he's very apprehensive about letting Spartan do his thing. Phoenix goes to a museum to get a gun because you know like the guns that you'd put in a museum wouldn't be like decommissioned so that nobody could use them you know like so he just goes there and of course they're like loaded and ready to go and it's like okay honestly there there are like some cheesy choices for future tech in this movie but like they're not all terrible like they're not all that ridiculous it's just it's a lot easier in retrospect to be able to see like where the world is going you know when it's it's 2022 right now but it's like I don't I don't know I mean it's kind of funny when when movies actually do get some stuff right there the guy walks up to there's there's this like museum guard that walks up to Simon Phoenix at the museum and says, fellow greetings, what seems to be your boggle? And it's, I wish I could like actually work that into a conversation, but I don't think I could. There's a pretty decent gunfight in the museum between Phoenix and Spartan. John is getting his ass kicked in this like weird area that doesn't look like it's part of the museum, but I don't really know what it is. I, I just love how like Simon Phoenix keeps like, monologuing for a good couple of beats before he actually fires his shot to kill Spartan because it's like he could easily have gotten him if he didn't stop and say anything you know what I mean it's just you you could have at least made it so Spartan like gets out of the way or anticipates it or something 
But like Phoenix just like rambling about stuff before he shoots is like, it's so cheesy. I don't know. So on the run, Phoenix encounters the head bad guy who is Dr. Cocteau. You know, he's, he's the guy that we see in this boardroom earlier in this movie. And, you know, he's talking about how important it is to, you know, for everything to stay the way it is and all this stuff. I don't know. So Huxley, Sandra Bullock's character, tries to remember key 90s phrases and use them. But she frequently fucks them up to provide some comic relief, which I guess is all right. I mean, it's pretty dumb, but whatever. They get back to the police station and they're trying to figure out what Phoenix is doing. And Phoenix is supposed to be tracking down Friendly at the behest of Cocteau. Because apparently they like, while he was under, Cocteau basically like programmed, you know, put a program in Phoenix's head that he couldn't kill Cocteau. And it's, it's something. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. This this movie left me at a loss for words a lot. So all the restaurants in the future are now Taco Bells because they say that they won the restaurant wars or franchise wars or whatever it's called. Friendly's gang, who is the, the revolutionary who, you know, is living underground, they happen to launch an attack on the Taco Bell where Stallone, or I should say Spartan and Cocteau and Huxley are all, you know, hanging out and... Um, that, you know, they're having dinner and Phoenix meets with Cocteau and Cocteau assures him that Spartan won't be a problem. Huxley and Spartan go back to her place to have what the future calls sex, but they're really just wearing weird virtual reality helmets. And she is very put off by his expectation of physical intimacy. Apparently they cut a lot of Spartan's daughter's scenes Like, he keeps talking about how his daughter must be around somewhere and, you know, he'd like to meet her. And I don't understand why they didn't cut references to her, you know, or maybe do reshoots if they didn't want to do that. Because he keeps referencing it and it's like it never comes back, you know, it's like it just doesn't happen. And so they they basically cut it because it seemed like the daughter was going to be too close in age to Sandra Bullock. So it was going to be creepy to have them be, you know, like romantically involved and then have the daughter be like the same age as Sandra Bullock. So anyway, Spartan finds out that Cocteau is working with Phoenix. They're going to meet friendly, you know, um, Spartan and Huxley and and, uh, Benjamin Bratt's character are uh, Alfredo Garcia, by the way. They go to meet him in this underground lair and Spartan has a burger that he expects to be a beef burger and it turns out it's made of rat and he's like very put off by it, but he still says it's good. Friendly explains to Spartan and Huxley and and Garcia that he believes in freedom and they're basically going to work together with them and, you know, like they kind of understand what Friendly is all about now and they realize that maybe he's not so bad. And we get a pretty decent chase scene. You know, they're chasing Phoenix and it's pretty cool. You know, like uh, Stallone and, and Snipes are, I should say, Spartan and Phoenix are, you know, in this autonomous vehicle and they're, you know, like there's a lot of intense shit going on when they're on this high speed chase. And 
the captain is like furious with Spartan and Huxley, but ultimately does like nothing to stop them from leaving to go get Cocteau. And we see Phoenix then almost immediately order Cocteau be killed and he he gets killed. So Phoenix takes over and Huxley is actually like she's kicking some serious ass for someone who should have no idea what the hell she's doing. And she gives some little off the cuff explanation of it, but it doesn't really jive for me. Phoenix is going to defrost the entire cryo prison system. And there is a suggestion that Jeffrey Dahmer will be among the defrosted inmates. And this is why cryo freezing doesn't make sense. While you're in cryo sleep, it would be like doing it would not be like doing time. It would just be like time travel. You know, it, it would just be like, you're not really doing that time. There's a big showdown in the cryolab prison defroster dealie. Spartan and Phoenix are really fucking going at it. Like it's, it's pretty, it's not bad. I, I won't deny it. It's not terrible. They, uh, they, they say Wesley Snipes has an actual black belt and that, that was why they like basically made him like pull his punches a little bit and like kind of slow it down because his punches were blurring in the camera. So like they didn't think it looked good and they wanted to fix it. And they finally, you know, like we finally see an end to, you know, they, uh, Spartan freezes Phoenix and smashes his head. So it's like, they don't, you know, they don't have to deal with him anymore. And, you know, it's like we get a little wrap up scene and it's, it's over. I mean, it's, it's not terrible. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. It's not amazing, but it's not terrible. So a little, a little tidbit of trivia. Um, Wesley Snipes hated his blonde dye job and shaved his head as soon as filming was complete. After the movie's release, Professional NBA player Dennis Rodman began dyeing his hair different colors, a look that was inspired by Simon Phoenix. I didn't see any um, citations on that, but, you know, maybe it could possibly be. So, info and ratings. We've got a runtime of 115 minutes. Budget, uh, somewhere between 45 and 77 million. Worldwide gross of 159.1 million. IMDb rating 6.7, Rotten Tomato Critics score 62%, Rotten Tomato Audience score 66%, Personal rating 3 out of 5 stars. This was just okay. I I didn't hate it though. I mean, I it wasn't it didn't disappoint me as much as as Never Back Down did, but I would say a light recommend to Demolition Man and a hard pass to uh, Never Back Down. It was not my idea of a good movie. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for tuning in today. I do appreciate it. So I'm going to keep plugging along. Hopefully, by the time this comes out, I will have released several video episodes. And hopefully, you'll let me know what you think of those because I think that they're... They could be a good way to go for me. So, all right, everyone, have a good day. Brandon at Random Reviews is performed, written, directed, produced, and edited by Brandon Griffiths. Theme music is performed by Augusto Diniz from Fiverr. 